It would just be your words, not mine, Lord. We pray that you'd speak to us tonight, Lord. Um, convict us, Lord, we ask. We help, ask that you just help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers as well, God. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verse 33 is where we're going to start. So my name is Matthew. Um, I've grown up in the church since I was young and I've been here. Um, I'm now helping out leading the high school ministry, which is a blessing and a privilege. Um, so let's get into God's word tonight. So Luke chapter 11, verse 33, it says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on top of a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light. As when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. So the question this evening that I wanted to ask you guys is, are you putting out the light in your life? Jesus is using an analogy here. He's showing that if we're spiritually blind, we're never going to see the truth and we're never going to be a light to others. If we look at that first verse, 33, it says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. We see a lot of times in the Gospels that Jesus is going to use this analogy of light, light and dark. He uses it several times. I'm going to give us two spots to go to. If you're fast, you can make both of them. First one is John chapter 8, and the second one is Matthew 5. So those are, we're going to see two examples of Jesus using this analogy. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying again, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So the thing I want you to hold on to as we start, it says that Jesus is a light. He says, I am the light. So let's hold on to that, and then we'll check out Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. This is Jesus talking. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we have these two perspectives, right? The first one is Jesus is the light. And then in the second verse in Matthew, he calls us to be a light. But what exactly does that mean to be a light? You know, do we start walking around in reflective vests and carrying around flashlights? You know, I hope not. Look at that last verse in Matthew chapter 5, the 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So there's a connection here. Shine your light and they're going to see your good works. So there's a connection between being a light and performing some sort of action here. You know, and to be a light is just nothing more than to be a godly example to those around you. A good godly example. Remember, Jesus said, I am the light, right? He was a light to us, an example to us. He was the best example ever. 
And we are to follow after that example that he set. So if we love Jesus and we want to be like him, we should try to be that light as well. You know, we're to imitate God, being a good example to those around us. Jesus was a great example. Great example to everyone that was around him. Um, I think about when you really admire somebody. You know, I don't know if it's like a celebrity or, or maybe a family member or a friend that you just really look up to, you really admire. You want to be like them. You know, you try to see, oh, look how they talk. Look how they walk. Look at the clothes that they wear. You look up to them. You admire them. You want to be like them. You know, I was really convicted looking at this, just thinking, you know, who am I trying to imitate? Who, who is it that I really admire? Because if I'm trying to copy anyone that's not Jesus, you know, my priorities are really off. My perspective is not in the right place. And we can go to Ephesians chapter 5. This was one of the verses in youth camp this year, this past summer. It's just been popping up again and again. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So this is Paul that's writing Ephesians, and he's encouraging us to be those imitators of Christ. You know, being a light is just to be that good example to those around us. Being Christ-like, an example of what Jesus was and he is. You know, just as Christ was that example to us, we should be that example to those around us. And Jesus lived the perfect life. He came, he died, he was perfect. He was the best example possible. You know, he was tempted with the same things, he faced the same things, yet he lived perfectly. And that's who we should strive to be like, like Jesus. If we continue in Luke 11, turn back there, we'll look at verse 34. We see Jesus, and he says... The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. So I'm no doctor or medical expert or anything like that. But, you know, from what I understand, our eyes, they take in light and then they send signals and our brain interprets it. And then this is how we can perceive and see the world that's around us. You know, I think that Jesus here is showing us that the things we're taking in are going to affect our perspective, our perception of the world around us, the world we live in. Whether it's the movies we watch, whether it's the music we listen to, the places we go, friends we hang around, you know, what we're looking at on our phones, all those things are going to affect how we act and how we think. David Guzik, here's what he has to say. He says, even as a bad eye will make a person blind so bad hearts will make one spiritually blind. And we don't want to be that spiritually blind person filled with darkness, just thinking of the world in a skewed way, you know, not how the Lord intended. Let's go to Psalm 101. And we're going to look at the first four verses there.
Psalm chapter 101, verse 1. It says, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Check out verse 3 here. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Family, let's be careful to guard our hearts that we just wouldn't let wicked things inside. The social media, the YouTube, the TV shows, all of it's going to affect our heart in the end, in the long run. Now, if we do the opposite of that and we take in more of God's word, we fellowship more with believers, more prayer, we do that on a daily basis, we are going to be filled with light. We're going to be those godly examples to others. Now, I think the Lord makes it so easy for us. You want to be filled with light? There's three things that I thought of that came to mind here. The first one is take time to spend reading God's word. That's number one. Spend time reading God's word. The second thing is that we would take time to fellowship with other believers. So spend time in God's word, fellowship with others, other believers. And the third thing is to take time to pray on your own. We can spend so much time in prayer you know, I was convicted that I just, I don't spend enough time in prayer. You know, our lives are busy, our lives are busy, we do all these things, but we have so much time to watch, you know, an hour show at the end of the day, or two hours of Netflix, or three hours of whatever, time to be on our phones throughout the day. If only we would just spend more time praying to the Lord. You know, when you boil it down, it's really simple. Read, talk with God, talk with other believers. You know, maybe that's oversimplifying it a little too much, but I think if we could just do those things on a consistent basis, we would grow so much in our relationships with the Lord. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, we have the tendency, at least I do, to overcomplicate things so much, so often. Let's keep it simple. You don't have to turn there, but I'll go rapid fire just a couple of verses here. Um, on reading God's word, I thought about 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We see that word profitable. God's word is good for us. It's healthy to be reading it. It's healthy to be just taking it in on a daily basis. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see what the early church is doing. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. They were fellowshipping with one another. They were sharing the word with one another. They were doing life together. That's what true fellowship is, just reading God's word together, spending time together. And the last one, Hebrews chapter 10, 24, says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Godly fellowship is important. Prayer is important. You know, we get to see just the encouragement within the body. A healthy body will have encouragement, edification, you know, just the family wanting to see each other grow in the things of the Lord. So those are some things that will help us be filled with light. But then there's also the bad news, right? There's some things that'll start to put out our light, right? That'll make us more spiritually blind. So the first one here is laziness. 
You know, think about your eyes are getting heavy, right? You're getting sleepy. You wake up in the morning, but you just want five more minutes of sleep. The light gets shut out, right? When you close your eyes, there's, there's no light coming through. You know, not reading your Bible, not even caring that we didn't read our Bible. Just want those five extra minutes of sleep. You know, laziness, it's dangerous. What Spurgeon says here, here's a little quote. He says, sloth too is a great blinder of the eye. It draws down the eyelid and shuts out the light by the spirit of slumber. The man does not care what the gospel is or is not. Like Pilate, he asks, what is truth? But he never waits for an answer. It really just boils down to this attitude of complacency, this attitude of not even caring, you know? If we go to Proverbs chapter 26, we get a good glimpse of what this lazy person is like. Proverbs chapter 26, we go to verse 13. It says, the lazy man says, there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So here in verses 13 through 16, we get three characteristics of a lazy man. The first one is that they'll make an excuse for just about anything. I think about um, Pastor Tony in um, Calvary Chapel Finger Lakes. He used to come down all the time when we would have the Dulos program with the youth. They would come serve at the church. So he would be the guest pastor and he would share with all of us. This was back when I was in youth group. And he would always say, he would always tell us, he goes, what's an excuse? It's a lie in disguise. So then he would always tell us, what's an excuse? And then they would say, a lie in disguise. And we would yell it back at him. That's what it is, really, when you boil it down. An excuse is just a lie that's trying to hide. The lazy man here in Proverbs chapter 26, he says, there's a lion in the road. But back in biblical times, the chances of you actually seeing a lion in the streets was virtually impossible. It just, it wouldn't happen. You know, he made up this lie just to get him out of whatever work he wanted to do. And I think this is a good segue into the second characteristic of the lazy man. A lazy person is unwilling to put in the work. Family, if the Lord's called you to do something, and maybe you know what it is right now and you're thinking about it, the longer you wait, the more it's going to snowball. It says in verse 14, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. Even the simplest of tasks is a huge burden for this guy. You know, I mean, eating a bowl of cereal, it's not that hard. You just you grab the spoon, you put it to your mouth. He's like, he can't even take his hand up and bring it to his mouth. You know, oh, I can't do this. It's too difficult. Or maybe the lazy man will see a need and be like, oh, let me let someone else take care of this need because I just need those five extra minutes of sleep. You know, again, family, if the Lord's asked you to do something, is it forgive a brother or sister, if it's um, have a difficult conversation, if it's to repent of something you've done, it's best to do it right away. You know, I think especially if it's getting rid of something sinful, sin is only going to get worse the longer that you hold on to it. 
I love drinking coffee in the mornings, and my wife is so sweet. She brought me this like little travel coffee cup, and it seals on the top, and it keeps everything warm, and it's really good. But I have a really bad habit of just leaving that coffee mug in the car. And I won't even finish my coffee. Like, it'll be halfway done, and I'll leave it in the car. It's not like a day. It's like a week that I'll have that cup in the car. But it's sealed, so you really don't smell anything coming out of it. But when I finally take that cup out of the car and I unscrew it and I go to wash it, the stench that comes out of that, the cheesy milk, curdled milk that comes out of that, oh, it's nasty, man. And our sin is the same way. The longer that we hold on to it, the longer that we let it fester and curdle there, it's just going to be so much worse when it gets revealed. I think of parents and their kids. I'm not a parent yet, but hopefully someday. Um, But I've heard many good parents say to their children, when do we obey? And the child will respond, the first time. We obey the first time. You know, in my eyes, that's great parenting, teaching your kids obedience. And Jesus is the best father, and I think he wants us to learn obedience. If we go to James chapter 1, let's see what it says. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. To save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, And not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I think ultimately the lazy man assumes that his comfort is greater than God's calling in his life. So what was the first one? Lazy man, make an excuse for anything. The second one was he's unwilling to put in the work. And the last one is that he is full of pride. Proverbs 26, verse 16 says, The lazy man is wiser than his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So I think this also is the second thing that can hinder us from being filled with light is pride. Spurgeon says, When a man admires himself, He never adores God. Say that one more time. When a man admires himself, he never adores God. If you believe that you got it all together, that you're everything in a bag of chips and you have no need for Christ, I hate to break it to you, but you're full of darkness. It's a huge mistake. I've heard it said that you're never closer to Satan than when you're filled with pride. And what does it say? Um, He says in Isaiah 14, 14, this is when um, Satan rebelled against the Lord. He said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. It was full of pride. The unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. You know, thinking that you know better than Jesus, the most high, you think the most is like the limit. The most is the most. You know, if you think you know better than him, that's not going to help you become filled with light. It's not going to help you be a light to others. Light of God is not attained by our works or by anything that we can do. 
It's attained by humbling ourselves and asking Jesus to cleanse us from within. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. If pride leads to destruction, if we believe God's word is true, and I hope we all do, and this is a fact here, pride leads to destruction. So if we believe that, then I hope we wouldn't want to lead others to be of a proud spirit. You know, the example we set should be one of humility. We should set an example of humility. If I were to ask you here, don't raise your hands, but if I were to ask for a show of hands and say, who here loves a proud person, you know, loves to hang around someone that's proud and full of pride, I hope none of us would raise our hands. You know, don't you just love it when your friend beats you at a game or a ping pong or something, and then they rub it in your face for the next week, and they're like, ah, I'm better than you. I could do this. I could do that. I hope not. I hope you're not like, man, what a great friend. They just, they're just so, like, loving, and they rub it in my face all the time. You know, no one likes to be around a proud person. So be that example of humility. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter 5, verse 5 through 7. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And maybe you're thinking, well, it says younger people here, so maybe I don't have to obey. Well, family, if you think about eternity and how long we're going to spend with Jesus, say we're pretty young, you know? And also the verse says, and all of you. So all means all. <laughs> so there's no getting out of it. You're stuck on both fronts. So let's be of that humble heart. Speaking of eternity, it reminds me of one of the youth. Back when I was in youth group, he came up to us. We were like in a little circle talking, and he comes up to us kind of like in a pant, and he's like, guys, guess what? And we're like, what? He goes, eternity is a long time. And we're like, yeah, no kidding. And then we're just sitting there thinking about it, and we're kind of mind-boggled like, yeah, eternity is long. Like, there's no end to eternity. It's a long time. You know, he was sitting there just like boggled by it. That was so cool. It's a long time in comparison to the life we're going to live here on earth. You know, it's just a, a little breath, a little vapor of the life that we live here. So I encourage you guys, let's run our race well. Let's live all in for Jesus now so that we can enjoy eternity with Jesus later on. And hopefully we can hear when we get there, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I just, I want to hear that from the Lord when I make it to heaven. I think of the poem that Zach always quotes, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So let's run the race well. Let's press on. The third thing, the final thing that can hinder us from being a godly example to others, to, from being filled with light, is a love for sin. I think nine out of ten times, most of the time, this is the thing that's darkening our souls. You can't see the truth if you're madly in love with lies. 
if you're madly in love with, the tr- with not the truth, with something fake, if you're not willing to give sinful things up for Christ, then you're in love with those sinful things. It's going to mess with your mind, ultimately. You're not going to be able to make the right decisions, make the right friends, or even have the right connection with the Lord because you're believing something that's fake, that's wrong. You know, I kind of liken um, the lukewarm state, right? Like if you're loving, you're trying to follow the Lord, but at the same time you just love um, the ungodly music in the world or the ungodly friendship or, or the lies of the world. If you're loving that more than Christ, but you profess to be a Christian, I kind of thinking of it like you have one eye closed and one eye open. You ever tried to do things with just one eye closed and one eye open? Your whole depth procession is off. I did this with the youth on Friday. We had like a ping pong ball and we were throwing them with both eyes open and they could catch it and then both eyes closed. And it gets harder because your depth of field is not the same. If you try to run around and play football with only one eye, that's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Your depth perception, your perception of reality is just wrong. In the same way, if you're trying to live worldly while loving Christ, your perception of reality is going to be off. You know, we're going to be confused, unsure when it comes to making big life decisions. You're not going to make the right ones. You'll be unsure and confused when you're picking friends or people to hang around. You're going to be confused and unsure with how you treat others. It's just going to mess with the perception of everything. Let's go back to Luke chapter 33. You know, a man that's a godly example will have that proper perspective of the world. The example, the perspective that God wants us to have, you know, as the Bible has it. We go back to Luke 11, verse 35. It says, Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. So if you look at that, it's like, take heed that the light is in you. It's not darkness. But wait, if it's light, how can it be darkness? There's a state here of confusion that's going on. Someone might think that they're here filled with light, but in reality, they're just full of darkness. They're full of garbage. You know, the encouragement is to take a look in the mirror and see if we're really being a light to others or not. You know, it doesn't have to be a weird thing. You don't have to go around. You know, maybe there's a time and a place for it. There's a calling if you're an evangelist. You know, if you have that calling to just be bold and share the word with people, that's awesome. But you don't have to always be going around to every single person you meet. Hi, nice to meet you. My name is Matt. Oh, hey, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Jesus? Have you been saved? It could be just in the simple things that we do in the mundane, every day. We can be an example in how we act, in the things we do, how we talk, the things we choose to participate and to not participate in. You know, man, look how they held the door for that person. Look at the smile that they have. They're full of joy. Why are they full of joy? You know, didn't this just happen to them? Didn't they have like the worst day ever, but they're still full of joy? You know, it's said that the, you might be the only Bible that someone's going to read. So we got to be those good examples. I've also heard it said that, you know, the question is, are you being a thermometer or are you being a thermostat? You know, a thermometer just tells you the temperature. It's 80 degrees in the room. A thermostat sets the temperature in the room. You know, is that you? Are you just going with the flow? Whatever the temperature of the room is, whatever your friends are doing, your family's doing, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with it. I'll just go with it. I just don't want to, you know, cause a stir or embarrass myself or you know, something bad will happen? Or are you that thermometer that you come in and you set the tone in the room? You know, I hope that we would be that godly example, that thermometer, that we'd set the tone. No, I'm not going to listen to this joke. 
No, I don't want to participate in this conversation. Hey, let's change the subject. Why don't we talk about this? You know, don't quench your light for meaningless pleasures. What you take in through your eyes is going to determine the person you become. And we need to make sure that we're not putting in darkness, but light. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 5, you know, whole, all of chapter 5 was pretty much in youth camp, but we're going to look at um, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Think about that saying, you are what you eat. Anyone ever heard that saying? You are what you eat? I think it rings true in our everyday lives. Let's be wise with the things that we're taking in through our eyes, through our ears, the places we go, the people we see, conversations we have. It's going to change us. You know, you are what you consume. It's going to determine the person you become. Back to Luke chapter 11. We'll look at verse 36. It says, If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. David Guzik says, when the light of God's word shines, when the word and work of Jesus is understood, then one does not walk in the darkness of spiritual blindness. If our heart is bad, if we're filling ourselves with darkness, with the gunk of the world, we're going to be spiritually blind. We're going to struggle when it comes to discerning things, discerning right and wrong. Our perspective, our reality, perspective of reality is just going to be totally out of order. It's going to be out of whack. But when we strive to be that light, it should put a greater emphasis on reading our word, on getting to know Jesus, on prayer. You know, are you actively displaying Jesus in your life? Are you trying to hide the fact that you're saved, you know? We shouldn't be doing that. We should be unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed. Romans chapter 1, we can go there. Verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Maybe you're thinking, oh, well, you haven't seen my workplace. You haven't seen where I go to school. It's just so dark. It's like, it's full of darkness. It's crazy. I can't be a light there. I think about all my examples are coming from youth. Youth camp in Headwaters. Um, we would often go to this cave. So we would wake up really early one day um, and we would hike like, I don't know how many miles was it, two or three miles, up, like steep uphill. And we would get to this random cave in the middle of nowhere. And we would like climb in, we would get all muddy, we'd go down into the cave. And eventually you'd have to squeeze through all these little holes and little passages and you'd enter this like big kind of like open cavern area. 
And then once we got there, we would sing some worship. It was really sweet. But then at some point, we would just turn off all our flashlights that we had because it's dark in there. You needed flashlights. And once you do that, it's pitch black. I don't know if you've ever been in a place that's pitch black where you can wave your hand in front of your face and you're not going to even see it. Like you can't see anything. There's an absence of light there. It's pitch black. But if you turn on even the smallest of light there, whoever had like the worst light would turn it on, it would just illuminate the whole cavern. You'd see everything. The smallest light is going to shine the brightest in a dark place. So that's my encouragement to you. If you think, man, man, my work is so messed up or the people that I'm around at school are so messed up, the little light will shine really bright in a dark place. So take heart in that. Be encouraged with that. You know, I encourage you guys also to be bold for Christ. You know, boldness is something that I'm still working on. It really is a muscle that you kind of have to work out. You got to exercise it daily every now and then. You got to practice that boldness every day. Maybe one day it's just going up to someone saying, hey, can I pray for you? Maybe another day it's coming in and serving at church, asking how you can help out. And then maybe you got that boldness where you can just go up to a stranger and be like, hey, let me share the word with you. Let me pray with you. Let's have a conversation together. You know, but work out that muscle daily. I encourage you to do that. And another encouragement, I think especially within the church, we shouldn't be afraid to talk to new people and to meet new people. This was one of my favorite things about um, the South Florida Young Adults Conference that we had. You just get to meet so many new people and so many people from different churches all around Florida, all around the country. And it's a blessing and you, we really shouldn't have a fear in talking to other believers because you have already one thing in common. You love Jesus. You know, if you have nothing else to talk about, you can talk about that. Um, I'll give you a story here that happened to me at the Young Adults Conference, so maybe you can feel better about talking to the others. Um, it was the first people that I went up to to talk to and, like, meet. I was like, hey, how is it going, guys? Where are you from? And I shook their hands. I got all their names. I'm like, oh, this is my name. And I go, where are you guys from? They're like, oh, we're from Myrtle Beach. I'm like, oh, Myrtle Beach has the word beach in the name, so probably somewhere in Florida, South Florida Young Adults Conference. I'm like, ah, you guys aren't too far away. You're like neighbors. They're like, yeah, only a 14-hour drive. It was Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. <laughs> so don't feel bad. Just go up to, you know, a brother, a sister, introduce yourself and have that fellowship together. Let's break out of maybe that same group that we hang around, reach out to someone new, have a conversation with someone new that you've never spoken to before, and be a light to those around us. You know, perhaps the Lord has a blessing waiting for you, but you just have to be bold and go out and grab it. If we keep looking, if we go to Luke 33. Let me pull it up here as my computer doesn't want to comply. Sorry, Luke 11, 33. If we see the next portion, he's talking, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the lawyers. It says, and as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, 
Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. Jesus is giving the warning here that we can look great. We can look super clean, super polished on the outside. But on the inside, we're dying. We're hurting. You know, part of my testimony is that I grew up in the church um, since I was little, since I've ever known church. I've been coming here. And for the, the greatest time, I, I wasn't really saved until I was 15 years old at a youth camp. I was just living the walk, talking the talk, um, trying to get everyone just to believe that I was, you know, this perfect Christian little boy, um, just doing everything right. And I had to come to that point where I humbled myself and like, Lord, I just I haven't been doing this right. It's just not right. It's not right. And so many times we can come in and out of church. We can walk the walk. We can talk the talk. Everyone around us can think that everything is going great. Man, look at their life. They have such a good life. But on the inside, it's just hurt. It's just pain. You know, we should strive to be real with one another. You know, to be honest, to be humble. You know, to come to the Lord and he can take away those burdens. He can make us clean. He can truly change our lives. You know, the phrase fake it till you make it isn't going to work in the Christian walk. You've got to trust everything to the Lord and let him do his work that he wants to do. So family, that's my encouragement. Let's be that light to one another. Let's be those godly examples. You know, do what we can to fill ourselves with the light. Be consistent in reading our words. Be consistent in um, prayer and fellowship with other believers. I think about uh, one young adult says, Zach, he gives the analogy of a toothbrush, brushing your teeth. If you miss brushing your teeth one day, are you going to say, oh, I messed it up. I'm not going to brush my teeth the rest of the month or the rest of the week. No, right? You're going to go back home later that day and you're going to brush your teeth. If you miss reading your word, if you miss something, you know, don't, don't be hard on yourself. You know, just go and read your word the next day. Go and read your word that night if you can. You know, it's good. It's profitable for us to be in the word of God to be, spend that time in prayer on your own. It's important that we pray. You know, prayer goes a long way, and a lot of times we don't even see the prayers that we pray answered, but it's good that we pray. It's good that we lift up others to the Lord, lift up our needs to the Lord in prayer. You know, he wants us to come to him, a good father. You know, so why don't we pray, family? Lord, we love you so much. We ask that you'd help us to not just be hearers, but doers also, Lord. We want to be those godly examples to others, Lord. I ask that you'd help us to be a light, and just this dark world that we're living in, God. Lord, we need you. We ask that you'd cleanse us, Lord, and help us to have that boldness, Lord, maybe just to talk to others, to be unashamed of your gospel, Lord, to not um, shake in fear if someone asks us, hey, are you saved? Are you a Christian? Are you going to church? So, Lord, we love you, God. We ask those things in Jesus' name. Amen.